0: Hey everyone, I've been working on some other content, but I heard about this story over the weekend and I had to cover it. And please ignore, if possible, the torrential New England rain in the background. Anyway, apparently Cenk Uger of the Young Turks called out Joe Rogan on Twitter, claiming he could beat him in a fight. And I know there's a whole kind of cringy schoolyard element to all this, who could beat up who, etc. But still, you know, I couldn't resist. And I think this story probably interests me for a couple of reasons. On the one hand, I've been following both of these guys for a long time, and at one point not all that long ago, I probably would have even called myself a fan of both of them. But to be honest, I actually kind of have mixed feelings about both of these guys nowadays. I feel like I'm saying both a lot. Drinking game word of the week, I guess, if you're playing at home. Anyway, despite being an atheist or secular type, I'm still nevertheless interested in things that people often deem spiritual. Meditation, exploring or expanding consciousness, that kind of thing. And I've liked Rogan since his early news radio days, and I also liked his comedy. I remember Howard Stern used to play clips of him on his show. And then years later, I heard Rogan on an episode of Adam Carolla's podcast, and he was talking about things like sensory deprivation, expanding consciousness, probably DMT. But I was really impressed by his interest and knowledge about that kind of stuff, and I became a big fan of his own podcast, the Joe Rogan experience. I used to love when you would have Sam Harris on and Sam hasn't been on in years so I don't know what the story is with that. I've often wondered. Joe used to refer to him as his friend so I don't know if they had a falling out or something but then again I've noticed that Joe seems to refer to just about anyone who's ever been on his show as his friend. I've even heard him refer to TJ, a.k.a. The Amazing Atheist, who's been on his show once or twice as his friend. And as someone who follows TJ, I know they're not that close. As I said, TJ did his podcast a couple of times, and I think Joe invited him to one of his shows once. Uh, Not a criticism, more of an observation. Nothing wrong with considering people your friends. But over the last couple of years, I've noticed myself kind of disagreeing with Joe more and more. I'm a left-leaning guy, I disagreed with some of his BLM takes, for instance. Even though, like with a lot of his political takes, his opinion seems to change with the wind depending on who's on his show. He had some right-leaning guy on, and, you know, they kind of poo-pooed BLM. Did I say poo-poo? Jeez, douche chills. But then he had, uh, is it Coleon Noir, I think it is? Himself a right-leaning gun enthusiast, but as a black man, he sympathized with where, you know, BLM was coming from, in a sense, to some degree. And so Rogan's view kind of softened during that interview, and he seemed to get that Black Lives Matter doesn't mean Black Lives Matter more than Lives, it means, hey, our lives matter too, you know? But then he had another right leaning guy on after that, and his position hardened again, as if back to square one. And like I said, you know, I'm a left-leaning dude, but I also like to think that I'm a fairly rational and reasonable left-leaning dude. I don't support riots or looting. Brave take, I know. And I've known about Antifa, or Antifa long before the death of George Floyd, and I never cared for them, you know, to say the least. I think they're basically just a bunch of punk-ass kids hiding behind masks looking for an excuse to fuck shit up, you know, pardon the language. But as I think all decent people should, I do support peaceful protests, uh, people fighting, not physically fighting, you know, for positive social change, equality, etc., uh, and then also, I haven't been a big fan of, of a lot of Joe's takes on COVID. I will say, and I almost did an entire episode on this, my view of ivermectin has softened somewhat. Don't worry, I haven't drunk the Kool-Aid. I still think people should get vaccinated. And even Pierre Cory, the physician who you know really popularized and championed the idea of using ivermectin to treat COVID, I heard him kind of complain in a recent YouTube video I watched about being, you know, painted as some kind of anti-vaxxer. And in fact, the website for his group, the FLCCC, which I think stands for Frontline COVID Critical Care Alliance, And they have a public or official statement about vaccines, and it says the FLCCC Alliance has always maintained that our protocols are a bridge to vaccines and a safety net for those who cannot or have not been vaccinated or are vaccinated and have concerns regarding declining protection against emerging variants. Vaccines have shown efficacy in preventing the most severe outcomes of COVID-19, and are an important part of a multimodal strategy that must also include early treatment. The decision to get a vaccine should be made in consultation with your health care provider. So once again, even the guy who's really been popularizing the use of ivermectin for, you know, combating COVID-19, he and his group acknowledge the importance and efficacy of vaccines. And I think the jury's still out on the efficacy of ivermectin, at least regarding its use as a treatment for COVID. As many listening probably know, it's an antiparasitic drug that's been around for roughly 40 years. It's used to treat things like head lice and river blindness, you know, in developing countries, etc. And it's a very effective antiparasitic drug, and apparently it has been proven to possess at least modest antiviral properties but I've heard conflicting opinions or reports, once again, on its efficacy in fighting COVID. I've heard some say that although ivermectin is a very safe drug when taken at doses formulated for humans, that the dose required to successfully treat COVID would be potentially toxic, but then there's others like Pierre Cory promoting it as a safe and effective drug to have in our anti-COVID toolbox or arsenal And there's anecdotes out there about desperate people slipping ivermectin to a seriously ill family member, you know, losing their battle with COVID. And, uh, you know, after taking the drug, their condition rapidly improves. But on the other hand, there's people who are, you know, vaccine hesitant and opt to take ivermectin instead, and they get COVID and die. I think famously there was a lawyer who posted these kind of vlogs online who followed people like Brett Weinstein, and he was staunchly anti-vax and insisted that natural immunity was better and that he was taking ivermectin, you know, instead of getting vaccinated, and yep, he got COVID and died. And there was a relatively recent study out of Israel that does suggest that natural immunity, that comes with being previously infected with COVID-19, offers better protection against the Delta variant, you know, compared to the level of protection someone who's never gotten COVID experiences uh, from being fully vaccinated. But there's two problems. One is the, you know, the same study also suggests that natural immunity, along with at least one shot of a vaccine, offers greater protection than natural immunity alone. And the, you know, the other problem is, yes, natural immunity is definitely a good thing, but there's only one way to acquire it, and that's by getting COVID. So, you know, kind of a risky toss of the dice there. Come on, natural immunity. Oh, shit, ventilator. But one thing that I've heard, and this is kind of what I mean about my opinion on ivermectin softening, is that apparently it can be at least somewhat effective in combating at least mild cases of COVID, so there's the suggestion that it could be used as a kind of pre-treatment. And if people want to take a safe dose of ivermectin, a dose formulated for humans and not livestock, and they can get their doctor or a doctor to prescribe it, so they can take it as a kind of potential prophylactic against covid or prophylaxis Uh, i don't see a problem with that um but what do i know i'm a podcaster not a doctor but i still think they should probably you know still get vaccinated too so taken in conjunction with getting vaccinated not instead of getting vaccinated And I remember, and I actually, you know, feel bad about this, before really reading up on ivermectin, and despite being a long-time Joe Rogan quote-unquote fan, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, where I now stand, I posted an article to the Weekend Out Facebook page that referred to Joe Rogan's use of ivermectin, you know, when he recently got COVID, as him having, you know, taken horse paste. And it was a pretty high-profile online magazine It may have been Rolling Stone or something along those lines, don't hold me to that, but the headline paraphrasing was something like, Joe Rogan gets COVID, takes controversial horse dewormer, or something like that. But when I looked into it, I quickly discovered that he was taking ivermectin in a dosage formulated for human consumption and prescribed by a doctor. And so I went back to the Weekend Out Facebook page and deleted the link. You know, it seemed like the right thing to do. And it's funny, as, once again, a left-leaning person, I'm usually pointing out what I see as the BS or intellectual dishonesty of Fox News or other right-wing outlets or right-wing talking heads. But I have to admit, the left-wing media really went to town with this whole denouncing or, you know, writing off ivermectin as horse pace thing. Uh, how much of it was intentional intellectual dishonesty, and how much was just a lack of education or knowledge about the drug and its use in humans? I don't know. I think one thing that spurred it was the fact that the Associated Press released a story that they ended up having to retract. They claimed that at one point, 70-something percent of calls to poison control in Mississippi were about people overdosing on ivermectin, mostly, supposedly, because people had gone to feedlots and bought and consumed ivermectin formulated for large animals like horses and cows. As it turns out, and I'll go with the principle of charity here, it could very well be the case that someone may have just mixed up the numbers or statistics, but only about 2. something percent of calls, you know, in Mississippi to poison control in that period had to do with ivermectin, and it was 70-something percent of that small percentage that had to do with people getting sick from horse paste or whatever, ivermectin formulated for large animals. Because although ivermectin is relatively safe, it supposedly can be toxic or dangerous once you reach a certain level. Once again, it's a powerful antiparasitic medication, and I believe the way it works, you know, generally speaking, is it cycles through your system cleaning out parasites, but fortunately, you know, without crossing the blood brain barrier where it might do neurological damage. But because it does kind of clean you out in excessive amounts, It can cause diarrhea, dehydration, and as I understand it, it can seriously damage your intestinal lining. And despite its aforementioned lack of a tendency to cross the blood-brain barrier, supposedly if you do take a really excessive amount, it can potentially cause neurological side effects, including coma and seizures, so really serious stuff. And like I already said, and once again, podcaster, not a doctor here, you know, I personally have no problem with people taking ivermectin at a safe dosage prescribed by a doctor or under a doctor's supervision. And I know that, you know, many doctors are hesitant to prescribe it, in part because it hasn't been FDA approved for the treatment of COVID, but I think that may be changing to some degree. There's some really level-headed doctors I follow on YouTube who are becoming more open to the idea of pre-treating with ivermectin, ideally along with being vaccinated. Me personally, I'd rather just get vaccinated, which I am, and not have to take anything else. I'm already on too many, you know, medications. And if I listed all the stuff I take, it'd probably make it sound like I'm a mess. Uh, But, you know, I'm pretty active. I do a physically demanding job. I work out just about every day, but yeah, I'm on a bunch of stuff. Amitriptyline for my chronic migraines, um and a wee bit of depression, uh, you know, full disclosure. Um, two birds, one stone. Omeprazole uh, for heartburn, flonase for allergies, you know, uh, albuterol, then a bunch of supplements, magnesium, because supposedly there's some evidence it may work as a migraine prophylaxis, uh, vitamin D, uh, a B vitamin complex, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Not quite sure why I felt the need to disclose that. But anyway, um, you know, I don't mind people like Joe Rogan and Brett Weinstein promote. It's Weinstein, right? Weinstein, you know, that's the the big guy looks like he sculpted out pastrami and molested everyone. Anyway, uh, I don't mind people like Joe Rogan and Brett Weinstein promoting ivermectin as a potential tool, you know, in the war against COVID. What bothers me is the way they kind of, you know, poo-poo vaccines um, while doing so. Did I really just say poo-poo douche chills? Uh, I never say that in real life, but technically this is still real life. At least I think so. I I just meant, you know, When I'm not podcasting. That was meta. Anyway, probably didn't need to clarify that. And I actually listened to that episode where Joe had Brett and his wife on after Joe recovered from his uh, fleeting bout with COVID. And I think this rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. It seemed either really intellectually dishonest or maybe just not well thought out on Joe's part. They were talking about ivermectin and Joe said, you know, but look at me, I was better in two days. It's like, first of all, you also took a bunch of other shit, the kitchen sink, you know, (laughs) in his words. How do you know it wasn't the monoclonal antibodies you took, which are considered to be an effective treatment for COVID recognized by the mainstream medical community? Or it could have been the fact that as devastating as COVID can be, that it's it's true, most people do not die from it. And Joe's a healthy guy. Uh, he takes care of himself. It's not like he was conducting a clinical study. He took a bunch of different shit and recovered. Maybe the ivermectin helped. As I suggested, I think we should remain open-minded and seriously consider its use as a potential therapeutic tool or even a prophylaxis against COVID. But how can you claim to know what did or didn't help and to what degree when, as you said, you threw the kitchen sink at it? And is it prophylactic or prophylaxis? Once again, they're both nouns. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, damn it. What am I, a doctor or a conductor? But what really bothered me was the seemingly, you know, irresponsible way they skirted around the subject of vaccines while singing the praises of these alternative treatments. Joe Rogan has an enormous platform. He literally reaches millions of people. If I had that kind of audience, well, I'd be rich. But I would also feel some, you know, moral obligation or duty... To speak as carefully and as responsibly as possible about things like whether or not someone should get vaccinated during a pandemic. And fairness to him, maybe he has at times. Uh, I haven't caught all of his recent episodes. I've kind of I've lost track of him a bit since he moved to Spotify. But he did seem to have a very kind of cavalier attitude, at least in the wake of his own, you know, recent bout with COVID. But anyway, now on to Jenk. So I've probably repeated this on the show ad nauseum, but when I first discovered iTunes, like, I'm not the one who discovered iTunes, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> when I first found out iTunes was a thing, and I got my uh, my first iPod, and I first learned what a podcast even was, I think the first podcast that I ever downloaded or subscribed to were The Young Turks and Brian Dunning Skeptoid. Um, Then, of course, there was uh, The Joe Rogan Experience, The Adam Carolla Show, David Pakman, The Majority Report. And I don't know if I was just less politically aware back then, or if political divisions have just gotten worse with time. Probably both. But it almost seems strange to me when I hear myself say I used to listen to The Majority Report and The Adam Carolla Show. But I think Carolla has gotten a bit more outwardly conservative. He's kind of pals with Dennis Prager now, etc. And believe it or not, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, I actually used to listen to Dennis Prager uh, about two cars ago. There's a weird uh, system of measurement. Uh, I had a, I had a little Dodge Shadow And I believe that's the car I was driving when I got caught in a pileup on the highway back in my early 20s, probably. Airbag went off in my face. A thing went off the side of the highway down into a ditch and wrapped itself around a telephone pole. And, uh, you know, the car looked like an accordion. And the next morning when I woke up, I couldn't even lift my head off the pillow. But I remember riding around in that thing before it got demolished, and the radio was horrible. I had trouble getting FM stations, so I listened to talk radio. And one of the local AM stations carried Dennis Prager's syndicated show— And I think at that time, uh, I knew next to nothing about politics. It wasn't even on my radar, really. I'd be surprised if I even really knew the difference between a Democrat and a Republican at that point. But I enjoyed listening to Prager. I think I just thought he had a good radio voice, and I appreciated how contemplative and thoughtful he seemed. And even back then, I had a deep interest in religion, and he would often wax philosophical and talk about Judaism or religion in general. Uh, But as an animal lover, and especially, you know, as a dog lover, I remember he had this little thought experiment that he used to put out there on his show that kind of made me feel uncomfortable, you know, as an animal lover. But he would ask, you know, if you had to choose between saving a stranger or saving your dog, what would you do? And I think the point was he was trying to stress the fact that we should value, according to his worldview, human life more than animal life. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. Um, The majority of people might think that that's morally correct. My view on that is very nuanced and complicated, but I remember, you know, I'm saying this kind of jokingly, but I'd be like, screw you, Das Prager, how dare you make me think about this, you know, my, my dogs are like my kids, I'd, pro- I'd probably literally take a bullet for my dog, you know, and... um and I'd, be kind, I'd get kind of upset, you know, not visibly, but just internally. And I'd be like, you know, what a useless loaded hypothetical. You know, if you're asking me to choose between my dog, an actual living creature I'm deeply bonded to or with, and a non-existent hypothetical stranger, of course I'm going to choose my dog. But maybe if you replace the stranger with a family member, now you're up in the stakes. Who would I choose? Might depend on the family member. Kidding. Kinda. But in my mind, I always picture myself quickly scooping up my dog. I had a Chihuahua even, you know, back then. So they're easy to scoop up. And then, you know, making a beeline for my dog and then quickly, you know, going to rescue the person. I'm like holding my Chihuahua under one arm while pulling the person off, you know, up from a cliff or whatever. Um... But even, you know, in my mind, in a hypothetical, I couldn't bring myself to abandon my dog. But even now, I still think Dennis Prager is someone I could probably have, you know, a, a very pleasant and thoughtful conversation with. But I can't stand his online, quote-unquote, university, Prager U. It's always seemed to me like some sort of creepy online indoctrination center, a rogues gallery of right-leaning, you know, characters I have no love for, delivering these kind of dubious, prepared, you know, little monologues or lectures. And just because I'm left-leaning doesn't mean I expect everyone else to be. People have different ideologies. That's all right. You know, it makes the world interesting. But there's just something about PragerU that I find kind of off-putting. I almost get this weird kind of cult-like gaslighting vibe, you know, kind of thing from it. Uh, But back to Cenk, man, I'm all over the place. I still admittedly find myself agreeing with the lion's share of Cenk's political takes. But, and I don't know if it's just me getting older or what, but sometimes, I don't know, I find the shouting and the hyperbolic delivery to be a bit over the top or immature. Not that I'm necessarily the most, you know, mature person either, uh, to be fair. It was just the last episode where I was talking about video games and uh, comic book characters for over an hour. Uh, But I've also noticed of late that, although generally speaking, I do think that, Jenk and Anna are, you know, relatively smart and informed, politically insightful people. It's not like I hate them. I still watch, you know, TYT here and there, and I'll listen to it, uh, listen to the podcast version. But I've noticed that sometimes they'll get kind of heated and, you know, rail against something without necessarily seeming to have all the facts or without having looked at the the um the topic from various angles. Uh for instance, there's the whole thing where they got all worked up and basically told Aaron Mate to fuck off literally. Anna looked in the camera, stuck up her middle finger and said fuck you Aaron Mate. and uh, apologies if you're kind of sensitive to, you know, profanity. Um and to be honest, I don't know what to think about the whole Duma and you know this potential cover-up by the Organization for the Prevention of Chemical Weapons, the OPCW, but I think there's enough Uh, you know, there's enough there to raise concern. And I would have rather have seen TYT, you know, interview Aaron Maté, you know, on the subject or engage in a civil debate with him rather than just giving him the finger and telling him to, you know, F off. Um, You know, there's leaked evidence suggesting that there very well may have been some kind of cover up. And I also couldn't help but notice that TYT, like I was talking about earlier, were one of these outlets, you know, repeatedly referring to ivermectin as horse-paced. Um, and that kind of brings us full circle. That's where this whole jank calling out, you know, Joe Rogan on Twitter thing comes from. Like myself, in fairness, they took issue with Rogan's takes on COVID, talking up alternative treatments like ivermectin while casting doubt on or downplaying the role or importance of vaccines. And I get that, but I think writing ivermectin off is horse-paced. And once again, I'm not sure of what its efficacy or lack thereof is. If people want to pretreat treat with ivermectin or other medications or supplements, you know, at a safe dosage under a doctor's supervision and not to beat a dead horse... There's some kind of unintentional play on words there, horse paste. You know, I th- I still think people should get vaccinated, but whatever, you know. Um, but I do think writing it off as horse paste is intellectually dishonest. But that being said, once again, you know, I get their frustration with Rogan and his take on COVID and vaccines. But now, finally, the fun stuff. So I'll read uh, Jenks' tweet or tweets, plural. It's kind of funny. I'm looking at a Newsweek article dated October 5th, and it's entitled, Cenk Yuger Says He Could Beat Up Joe Rogan. <laughs> oh, that's, that's kind of like a funny uh, title you wouldn't expect to see in a, a news publication or whatever. Uh, where the heck? Okay. So I'll read a bit from the article. The host of the Young Turks podcast wrote, To all the loser, loser singular, at Joe Rogan fans, crying over my attack on his quote-unquote freedom, hypocrisy and stupidity, are you guys part of the crew or do you kiss his ass for fun? I thought he was a big boy who could handle himself. If he doesn't like my free speech, he can grow a pair and defend himself. This prompted one fan to suggest that Ugur call Rogan a loser to his face for a thousand dollars. And so it says, uh, yeah, I'll make a thousand dollar donation to your trash network or your charity of choice to see you call Rogan, who's not only the most successful podcast, once it what is it with people and um <laughs> weird grammatical thing here, people mixing up singular and plural. Um the mo said, Rogan is not only the most successful podcast, he's, Rogan is the podcast in history, but also a black belt in mixed martial arts, a loser to his face, the fan tweeted. Okay, and so here's, uh, Jenks' tweet, deal, easiest thousand I ever made, you think he's going to assault me? Sure, whatever, that's incredibly dumb but also wouldn't work. I'm much larger than Joe, and I've fought my whole life. I'd end him. But grown-ups don't do that. I'll send you the P.O. box to send the check to later. And it's weird. I remember the drunken peasants pointing this out too, but he says he's much larger than Joe. I think height-wise, they're only uh, one inch apart. I think Rogan is five foot eight, and Jank is five foot nine, I think. So was he talking about height? Was he talking about physical size? And without trying to be cruel, he's definitely larger than Joe in one respect. Uh, he's a lot heavier, and I'm not talking about muscle mass. But yeah, as a longtime young Turks viewer slash listener, according to Jank, as he you know implies in that tweet or states in that tweet, and his friends and his nephew Hassan, Jank is kind of a you know a scrapper. Supposedly he's gotten into more than his fair share of fights over the years, and he's not afraid to brawl or whatever. Um, and I'm not taking sides here. I still follow both of these guys. And as I've stated, I kind of have mixed feelings about both of them at, the, uh, you know, at this point. But that being said, there's no way in hell Cenk could take Rogan in a fight without, you know, unless he sneaks up on him from behind with a lead pipe first. And it's funny, Jenk actually addressed this whole thing on a recent episode of TYT. And he actually doubled down. I wasn't sure if he would or not. I'm paraphrasing, but you know, he made the point that, you know, there's plenty of people who claim that they know martial arts, but you know, that doesn't mean anything in a real fight. And in some cases that's true. I studied Shaolin Kempo Karate when I was young, but other than teaching you some basics or building confidence or discipline, it's probably not going to help you that much in a real fight. You know, hold on while I get into my horse stance. I got a kata to show you. Welcome back, kata. Horrible fucking joke. Anyway, <clears throat> see to my pants here. But in the case of Joe Rogan, no way. He will F you up hardcore. This is a guy who has obsessively dedicated himself to building and conditioning his body, who has dedicated himself to mastering several martial arts, who's experienced and skilled at full contact fighting. And the drunken peasants were playing clips of Rogan while covering this. Um, There was a clip of him as, you know, as young as 19, basically taking out a guy with one kick in some tournament. Uh, There were recent clips of him, you know, he's now in his 50s, but he's jacked as hell. And the force, you know, with which he can kick and punch is ridiculous. I would not want to be on the receiving end. Uh, well, Jenk, on the other hand, looks like he's about to give birth to like, I don't know, like a hundred calzones or something. Um, that's a weird image. And once again, this isn't some tribalistic, you know, oh, my guy can beat up your guy thing. I, I listen to both their podcasts. I'm just saying, you know, trying to look at it objectively Cenk must be beyond deluded to think he could take on Rogan in a physical fight. And this isn't hyperbole, and I'm not trying to be, you know, cruel once again. But sometimes I'll look at Cenk, and I'll actually feel bad or concerned for him because, you know, because of the shape he's in. He's got a lot of extra weight on him, and he doesn't look healthy. While Rogan, on the other hand, is sucking on stem cells and training like an animal and it's now kind of surreal to think that Jank and Anna were once guests on his show. I would love to see them talk about this face to face, Joe and Jank. At the end of the day, Rogan's actually a pretty chill dude. Um even back when he kind of had a falling out with Alex Jones, where Jones was dredging up, you know, controversial old rate I almost said ragging clips, old Rogan clips, playing them on his show to try and make Rogan look bad. He even went as far as to drag Joe's daughter into it. And in fairness to Joe, you know, he didn't threaten Alex or talk trash. He had him on his show, and he treated him with kindness and friendship and goodwill. Rogan and uh, Alex Jones go way back. Um, I'm not sure how serious Joe takes him, you know, but I-, I think he kind of views him as an endless source of entertainment. But yeah, I-, I think if Cenk ever did Joe's show again, it would probably be a little, you know, amusingly awkward at first. But I think Joe would be chill, and uh, but, but either way, man, I would... Uh, yeah, I might go over the Spotify just to see that. That would be very interesting. And Alex Jones, coincidentally, has been in the news lately. And Alex Jones and the Sandy Hook stuff, that's a whole nother can of worms I don't want to get into right now. Because um, I, I find Alex Jones kind of endlessly amusing as well. But the Sandy Hook stuff, that's dark. That is dark, man. Uh jesus anyway i have to get up to work uh for work tomorrow morning at like 6 30 a.m so um with with all that being said i'm gonna call this episode a wrap as always thanks for listening everyone you know the drill, you can like the Facebook page, you can follow me on Twitter, even though I'm not on there much, you can check out the YouTube channel, maybe you're doing that now. If you'd like to support the show monetarily, you can go to patreon.com slash out and help what I do here for as little as 99 cents a month. All right, brothers and sisters, until next time.